I grew up in the church and loved my childhood and teenage years. But when I hit uni, I started asking some bigger questions. At about 20, I attended a conference that really opened my eyes to the depth and breadth of what it meant to be a person of faith. It was at that conference that I met Jules. She's like an older version of me, so now I always call her when I want to process things of faith, vocation, and boys. I kind of get her advice, but I'm pretty sure she learns a few things from me too. That's true. A few people commented on how they love to eavesdrop in our conversations. So like a true millennial, I decided to make a podcast, documenting my journey about what it means to be a woman of faith in the 21st century. I'm Grace Bucknell, and this is neither Mary nor Martha. Welcome to part two of the Knowing God and Knowing Yourself little mini-series within <laughs> the series of the first season of Neither Mary Nor Martha. We don't even know if there's going to be a second season. No, but we'll say that this is the first. Yeah, because it is, even if there's only one. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be the first of only. The first of first. <laughs> yeah. So something that I think about all the time and battle with and am talking about a lot is how much what we think shapes who we are mm. and how our brains are just going a million miles an hour a lot of the time. Well, I know mine is. Yes. And there are just so many thoughts and feelings and emotions and stuff rolling around there, not to mention what we're having to think about work and what we're having to think about our relationships and what we are uh, and just functioning as a human. (laughs) And then any circumstances that happen to pop up and things that we walk through. It's just a lot going on. We have 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. No way. Yeah. 80,000 thoughts a day and all of those thoughts wow. are taking us somewhere. Yes. They are heading down a certain path. They are creating us to be a certain type of person and it's really important to understand one understand the power of those thoughts and two start to identify where those thoughts are taking us Mm -hmm. and decide whether that's where we want to be going. And I think something that is tricky is how to identify the thoughts that are helpful and the thoughts that are not. Yes, and so I think then that jumps back to our last episode because the Enneagram is very helpful for identifying those things, um, which is what I talked about on the last episode with the seed and the seed coat, identifying which are the the redeemed ways of being, ways Mm -hmm. of thinking, and which are the unredeemed or the more broken versions. And it's the authentic self and false self, isn't it? Yes. And that's what it talks about in Scripture with throwing off the false self. Yeah. And that the um, renewing of your mind. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It talks about it a lot, and that notion of throwing off the false self is something that I've often come back to because it's a very active thing. It's not just hoping that the false self right. will fall away, yeah, or just praying about it. It's throwing it off. Yep. You've got to do something. Yeah, and that's that's what I feel about this, um, and not just what I feel. What scientists feel as well. Right. <laughs> about, yeah. There's some great writing on yeah, this kind of thing about our brains, and we are not experts and we are going to link to heaps of really helpful uh, books and research about all of this but this is stuff that we have thought about and been applying to our own lives Mm. and we're just wanting to chat about it. So another helpful tool is identifying the narrative scripts that you have picked up over your life. So these are things that uh, your parents may have told you over throughout your childhood and they wouldn't have 
they might not have said them specifically, but just throughout your life, these things are kind of spoken over you. Yeah. And whether they're spoken over to you, over you directly, or just kind of through circumstances, is that does that make sense? Totally. I mean, I actually, as you talk about that, the example that I used again in the last episode about it being as a child, being being celebrated for being mm-hmm. such a, a such a kind child. Um, that's actually probably a narrative that has been told in my life because those stories of, um, like I think early on probably my parents picked up that that was a tendency. Yeah. And so, and they celebrated that, which is it's not a bad thing, but the stories were retold and retold and retold. And then I was told off if I ever expressed my emotions in the way I only I, the only way I knew how to as a small child, which is whacking or screaming or mm-hmm. tantruming. Um, and so what happens then is that, what did you call it? The narrative, narrative scripts. The narrative scripts. Um, so what I what I learn is that I'm celebrated when I, I'm loved and accepted and celebrated when I um, sacrifice my own needs and desires in order mm. to um, provide others with theirs. Yeah. Um, so that's a narrative script. And so the the way that you would use that is you would write that down. Probably this is what I would do. Yeah. Is I'd write that down, and then go. What would Jesus say to, to this? That. Yeah. What's the truth? What's the lie behind that? Yeah. And then what's the truth that I can speak into that? Yeah. Because what happens is you end up as an adult who, or, or, or yeah, an adult like uh, early twenties, mm-hmm. completely. Uh, unaware of your own emotions, yeah, and um, and unable to identify your own emotions because mm-hmm. you have just your own emotions and needs have not been anything that you've prioritized because mm-hmm. your value is in this other thing, yeah. And so, yeah, I guess what does Jesus say to that? He would have some pretty um, hefty things to say. He would, I would think, he would. And like an an example for me has been around. It's it's a funny example, but it's been around like sport. And I think this is probably on a women's podcast. I may not be alone in this. No. Um, and it's the same thing around maths, uh, around uh, the I can't kind of narrative yes. script. Yeah. That's one that I think I've told myself. Mm. I can't, I can't. Start a lot of sentences with I can't. And that's also been just reinforced by different circumstances and situations that I've been in, different people that have made comments. I've skipped out on the sporty gene in my family, things like that. Yeah. And that has just been reinforced over and over and over and over again my whole life and never intentionally, never to be not, mean. Yeah, not out of a... N- not in spite. Not, no. Nothing. Not, not at all like that. Completely, probably just subconsciously, not even aware. And... But it's gotten to the point where I didn't even realize that that was a script that I had running in my mind. I didn't even realize that I was saying I can't or just counting myself out of things. And until someone else actually revealed that to me and was like, hang on a second, like that's not true Mm. what you're saying. Mm. That that's literally just a lie that Mm. you've spoken. And even and. And so then I go, yeah, but but I can't actually do that. But the reason I can't do it is because I've never allowed myself to try. Yes. And so you just it just kind of you then get into this web, and it comes becomes like a self fulfilling thing, really. Yeah. Because you you're told you can't, so you don't, and then you can't. You actually you can't. can't. Yeah. And so it's and it's really hard to face things like that. Yes. And it, oh, because it's vulnerable. It, yeah. It requires so much vulnerability. Yeah. And and humility because you, it's probably going to be embarrassing. 
interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and vulnerability is really painful. Mm. And it's good, but it's really it's really painful. And uncomfortable. Yeah. And so something out of that is this really helpful analogy of a train station. So you're in a train station, you're on the platform, and there are lots of trains coming past. And you get to choose at any moment which train you hop on. And it's kind of like the trains of thought. So right. a train could come past that has a I can't statement. Or a train could come past that is... Uh, something about inadequacy or about your worth or about your body image or about your relationship or your stat- your social status, your achievement, literally anything. You you will all have your own things that now start kind of popping, popping up, up in your brain. Yeah. yeah. And so as soon as you hop on that train, it's going to take you somewhere. And that destination is further, even further on from what the train is even saying. It's taking you even further down that pathway. Yeah. And you don't have to hop on the train. <laughs> yeah. And so realizing, that, yeah. realizing that actually you you can stay on the platform. Yeah. Until and wait. you've got, yeah, wait for a, a good train of thought. Yeah. And so I think that that's really important, but also... Uh, something to kind of, I guess, highlight there is that the good trains of thought aren't necessarily just going to top up. up on their own. Yeah, And we have a lot of brokenness and hurt inside of us. And it's hard when it's the negative and untrue trains of thought that seem to be real frequent visitors to yep. the platform. Yep. <laughs> and the truth is something that you have to choose to put into your mind. Mm. And this is something that's similar to what we were talking about with training your heart. Um, yeah, in yeah. the first episode, we talked about teaching your heart what to love. Mm. Well, we also, and um, neuroscience has revealed this heaps in the last 10 years, is that mm. our, our neuro pathways can be recreated. Yeah. We actually can teach our brains what to think. Mm. And that is so hopeful. And I love that God has created the brain that way because that is God saying this is not final. No, there's hope and I can, yeah. we can heal. And can you heal. can change. What this yeah. feeling that you're stuck in, this pattern that you're stuck in, this lie that you're continuing to believe, it doesn't have to stay that way. Amazing. You can change. And neuroplasticity, uh, just a quick sort of, I guess, analogy to explain it, is like uh, bushwhacking. So you're in the bush and you've got your machetes, just as you do. And you're, yes, I can thoroughly relate to this. You're whacking a pathway to to get through the bush. And the next time you come round, you you can see that pathway that you whacked out, and it's still a yeah. little bit overgrown, but. It's there and you can see it. So you go down it again and whack a bit more. And then the next time you come through, it's a lot clearer. And it does, the cycle continues until it is a fully well-trodden path. Mm. There's a bridge to get over. There are lights and there's sirens and, and it's flashing easy. signals. It's easy. So easy. It's like, come down, follow me, come down this path. It's the best. There's music. There's food. Like, <laughs> It's the path to go down. And you can't even see the other one other has parts. become overgrown yeah. with lack of use. Yeah, yeah. I used um, a similar analogy to try mm. and teach one of my children. Yeah, um, we did a 
um, one of my children, I'm going to not mention any names or genders, um, <laughs> but one of my children finds it very difficult to respond to anything in a positive way. Mm. So being asked to brush teeth, being asked to um, come up to the table for dinner, um, anything is responded to with grizzling. And so we we got this book out of the library called My Fantastic Elastic Brain, oh, which I is love that. a children's book. But I highly recommend it for any adult because it explains brain elasticity in a way that is obviously easy to understand because it's it's written for children. Mm. And so we read about that and... um, and we started a chart where um, this child would get a sticker for say for responding, sure, mum. <laughs> it was the sure mum chart. And I explained that, um, that analogy, except we talked about long grass mm. and how when you walk through long grass, it's quite hard the first time. But as you walk through that long grass on the same path again, it's, it's sort of... Um, trampled down, down yeah. a little bit and it's a little bit easier and again and again and again until it becomes actually easy to go down that way. Well, the first day that we were we were doing it, initially it was like, okay, time to go and brush your teeth. Sure, mum! And then <laughs> stick a sticker on the chart and um, before the teeth brushing has actually occurred as well. So sometimes the sure mum happens but the job doesn't actually get done. <laughs> um, but then the complaint was, oh, Mum, the grass is so long, but also it's uphill. <laughs> yes, I, like, I relate. Yes, it totally is uphill. This is really hard. Mm-hmm. And just that encouraging of like, yes, it's uphill um, and this is a challenge, but you can do it. And, and it's can... going to take uh, doing it over and over again. And I have read that it takes about six weeks to mm. retrain those neural pathways. Which, in the grand scheme of life, is nothing. No, but hard to But also to. really hard. <laughs> yeah. I feel like week one, you'd be good. Week three's like, oh, I cannot do this. Yeah, and then week six would be like, we are almost there. Yeah, it would be. And so you can train your brain. And I think that is just, like, that reveals so much about... God. And one of the ways that you can train your brain is using a spiritual discipline, funnily enough, which is scripture memory. And this is uh, something that I use. I I even just at the moment, this is something that is really big in my life as I'm realizing lots of things that I have believed about myself and about myself in relation to other people. I'm really having to be so diligent with my thought life. Mm. And it's crazy just how uh, easily easy it is to just switch into another mode of thinking, yep. into back into the yes. the bad mode of thinking. So something I've done is I've written out a whole bunch of verses that kind of speak directly to uh, the lies I'm trying to get rid of mm-hmm. or to the insecurities that I'm working on or whatever it is. And I've just stuck them up on my wardrobe. And every morning as I'm getting changed, I read them out loud. Yeah. And it's the reading aloud and it's the memorizing that helps because then when I'm going about my day and something pops up, I can just stop and go, okay, just remember that. And memorizing it yes. is really helpful. Yep. Also, um, writing out not even scripture, but just truth. that is counter to what whatever lie something about um the lies is the that whole concept of like the enemy's lies are 99 percent true yes but it's the one percent that is the most important and it's the one percent of the lie that's really going to get you yeah 
And I mean, that's just annoying. And, <laughs> like, well, it's also confusing, isn't it? And it this is. is why we need to constantly be in prayer as mm. well. We need we need those things to be highlighted to us, and it's the Holy Spirit that will yep. highlight that one percent and go, no, 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 no. This mm. is just slightly off. Mm. And um, you know, the whole you you one degree off will get you will get you um, to a completely different a completely different destination to what you're yeah. aiming for. Yeah, and it's I think of it, um, I've heard it said before that the snake in the garden talking to Eve did not come at her with this with this kind of big obvious lie. No. It was just a little seed of an idea that was like, Are you sure? Like, are you sure God is actually that good? Yes. And that is so easy. And a little adding of a couple of extra things on to yeah. what he said. Yeah. Yep. And just a slight a slight tweak and all that's all it takes. Mm. And that's not to put fear in, but it's to help you be aware that what you it's it, I guess it helps to go, okay, hang on. I I might not be this might not be true. Mm. What it, what feels really easy to believe and what's what I can justify and what seems pretty much true might not be. And when it's not, it's this most the most freeing thing. Right. When when you can realize that it's not. Yeah. And that realization is usually coming in part, in relationship with God. It's him yeah. who's revealing that to you. But the other thing is that we are created to be doing relationship with each other. Yes. And um in James it says to confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. Mm. And so I think there's there's a whole lot and and this is uncomfortable confessing yeah. those beliefs that you have about yourself or the way that you see the world. Um, and I think for women in particular it does seem to be around ourselves and our mm. and our value. And even though we we sort of said at the beginning of um of recording these podcasts that we we want to hear more in women's ministry and women's teaching, more than that fluffy kind of you're, you're beautiful, you're beautiful <laughs> and you're valued, um, which we do want to hear more. But we also need to really know that. Yeah. And I think that that is a genuine challenge. And for it does. Us. A lot of things do come back to that. And I think doing this with other people is what gives it the most power. And I have been lucky enough to have people in my life that have revealed things to me that I would not have seen if someone else hadn't pointed them out. Right. Because someone just can come in with some perspective yep. and go, no, no, that's not that's not true, though. And they can help expose the lies or they can help. It, it's sometimes just in saying something and explaining how you're feeling about something that someone can go, but... That's not right. Yeah, you said that. But where are you actually, who's saying that? Where are you getting that from? Yeah. Where's that truth even coming from? Yeah. And so, unfortunately, that means being vulnerable. Yeah, which is uncomfortable and hard. Yeah. And something that I have learnt, um, I read recently from Brene Brown's book, Daring Greatly. Yeah. Buzzword there. Yes, Brene Brown, I'm talking about her and vulnerability. <laughs> but um, she has, she brought up this really, really helpful uh, tool that I use all the time now, which is talking about gremlins. So basically, instead of having to say, okay, I feel really insecure about uh, my friendship with you or something like that. I feel like you don't understand me or I feel like you're, I'm comparing myself to this person in my job, whatever. Instead of having to say that because that just feels really personal and yes. exposing, <laughs> instead you can say... I've got a gremlin saying I'm not good enough for this job. 
Well, I've got a gremlin saying that you're not as invested in this friendship as I am. And then what happens? What happens to me is I get another gremlin saying, oh, don't tell anyone that. Right. <laughs> Which it just it, it digs you deeper into this hole. So you have all these feelings and these, these gremlins that you want to expose and bring into the light. Yes. And then you have a whole set of other gremlins saying, but don't, don't tell do anyone yeah. because no one's going to understand. And they're going to, it will be embarrassing. Yeah. And, yep. and it's just going to expose you and, and they're just going to reject you if you say, if you say that. And so you've kind of got to tackle both yeah. <laughs> at the same time, push through that that um, voice or gremlin saying, no, no, don't say anything mm. and, and just say it because often things seem a lot bigger in the dark, like a shadow. When you've got your back to the sun, the shadow seems massive. And then as soon as you put the light on it, it's actually really small. Mm. And I find more often than not, that's what happens when you when you say something out loud. Totally. A hundred percent. Like once you've, yeah, anything that's going round and round in your head has got way more power than what it does when you confess it to somebody yeah. and share it with somebody. Um I remember saying once years ago when I worked in television, reminding the children that a problem shared is a problem doubled, which was the entirely um, opposite of what I was supposed to say. A problem (laughs) shared is a problem halved. It diminishes as you share that with somebody else. We are created to be in relationship Mm. with other people. We're supposed to be doing life together. Mm. And something I found is sometimes just saying it is enough. Sometimes all you need to do is say it out loud and say, I've been thinking this thing over and over or I'm feeling this thing or I've been believing this lie and saying it out loud kind of removes the power that it has. Dissolves it. And all you need is for someone to say, oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's not true. But sometimes they're a bit deeper and sometimes they take some, the the real hard rewiring. Yeah. And that's that's where the scripture memory, the writing down of truths, the writing down of like a, a piece of paper in half, write the lies on one side and the truth on the other other so that you can see it and really just cancel out mm. those those lies. Scripture is is the most powerful because that is where the Holy Spirit comes in yes. and and guides us and actually illuminates the the truth to us. Um a fantastic book on this is um Anatomy of the Soul, mm. which is by Kurt Thompson. And he is, I think he's a neuroscientist. Yeah, yeah. And he is... And um, a Christian. And he's a Christian. So it's this whole book that's basically written around how um, spiritual practices and interaction with scripture um, and also our connections with other people can actually allow us to be mentally transformed. Mm-hmm. So he talks about how you can you can recreate neuropathways um, through interaction with scripture. Which is funny because this is a lot of what we've talked about over this the whole series of this podcast is interacting with scripture, spiritual disciplines, and then now we're getting to the interacting with other people. And if we can really dedicate our lives to learning how to do those three things well, then, then, we've, well, then go us. <laughs> we're doing pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> but you've got some tools, don't you, Jules, of um, other things that we can do when those thoughts are just kind of running wild. Yeah, when the, the I guess the trains are um, coming past. And yeah, yeah. I um, I guess you will. Um, people will have heard. I think of breath prayer, which yeah. is the idea of as you inhale, you pray something, and as you exhale, you pray something else, um, which is almost like an answer to the first prayer. Yeah, and then you do that repetitively. So as you're washing the dishes, as you're changing the nappies, mm-hmm. as you're um. 
you know, doing whatever it is that you're doing in your daily life um, to pause and remember um, a certain prayer can be really helpful for also re- recreating those mm. neuropathways. And something just to point out is that it may feel small and it may feel like it's not doing anything, but it is. Mm. And what we say in our minds, what we say out loud, what we repeat does do something. Right. And like that's really hopeful and really should be really kind of alarming, I guess, because what is going on in our minds is doing something. But it's hopeful because it means that all we need to do is start saying different things. Right. But we have to do more than just remove the truth, uh, remove the lie. Yeah, you we, need to replace it. We have to replace something. it. It's yep. not ju- The truth isn't just going to jump on in there by itself. So a couple of examples of breath prayers, which, um, which may or may not... Um, fit your situation um, but but have a think about them anyway mm. um, is on the inhale breathe God you love me and on the exhale I am wanted another one is do all things through Christ with Christ in Christ the Lord is my shepherd I have everything I need made in God's image I am not afraid so I guess there, that last one, dealing with fear or anxiety mm. in those moments to go, okay, pause, inhale, I'm made in God's image, I am not afraid. I feel like I need all of those. <laughs> well, I'm hey, like, you can take this little piece uh, yeah, of paper, Grace. I'd like, I'd like to take that home. <laughs> but just, and then just the repetitive nature mm. of that, there's... Um, yeah, there's there's power in repetition as well, as mm. we've also talked about in earlier yeah. episodes, just liturgies and practices and habits. But it's, it's something that I love about it is that it just grounds you in that moment mm. because I think something that happens is as soon as you get on that train, as soon as you get on a certain train, you just it just all starts and everything, all you need to do is get on the train and suddenly that kick starts a whole flow on of thought patterns and then you're overwhelmed and it's it's actually hard to just come up for air. Yeah. And a simple prayer like that where all you have to remember is one line yes. is a really, really easy way yeah. to do that. I just thought I'd finish with um, another helpful analogy. I feel like this episode has been filled with analogies. That's okay. Analogies are, are good. Yeah. Um, of... Of, I guess putting us in perspective with our thoughts and our feelings and emotions. So imagine yourself as a mountain and a mountain that is strengthened by God and is immovable and is big and is strong. You are the mountain and that mountain has clouds coming past it, has rain falling on it, and it has fog settling. And it's the thoughts and the feelings and the emotions are the clouds that are passing by, the rain that is falling, the fog that is settling. You are not those things. You are not the the thoughts and the feelings and the emotions that are passing by or the lies that are passing by. You are the mountain. Mm. And I think it's important because sometimes that fog can stay for a while and sometimes that rain can just keep going and it does feel like that's what you are and that this is it. But you are the mountain. You are not the fog or the rain. And bad feelings pass. They always pass. Yeah. And, And the way that God has made our brain is in such a way that you are never stuck. You, you, there is always hope for mm. healing and for change. So we're going to we're going to link 
all of this helpful, um, all of these helpful resources and hope that you can find real uh, growth and freedom in these things. And we'll link some of those breathing prayers as well. it for neither Mary nor Martha for the first season. Thank you for coming along for the ride. We hope that this has been a really helpful conversation for you to be a part of. I am moving to the UK. I may actually be there while you're listening to this. Julia is staying in New Zealand, but I will be back and we potentially will be recording something more in the future. So if you have any ideas, any topics that you would love us to delve into with you, then please let us know on social media. Spread the word, share it with your friends. But mostly, we just want to say thank you for listening and for joining us on this journey of understanding what it is to be a woman of faith in the 21st century.